Welcome to the weekly sermon podcast from First United Methodist Church of Murfreesboro. It is an honor and privilege to share this time with you. We love studying the scriptures and feel they are central to our preaching, teaching, and living of the good news of Jesus Christ, the gospel. Our mission here is to grow disciples of Jesus Christ who know him, love him, and serve him for the transformation of Murfreesboro and the world. It is our prayer that God would use our preaching and teaching to do exactly that. If you have questions, thoughts, ideas, or just want to talk a little bit more about what you've heard today, we love to hear from you. Most of all, know that you are in our prayers as we listen together. Now, let's dive in. Our scripture this morning comes from the book of 2 Timothy 1, verses 1 through 14. Hear the word of the Lord. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the will of God for the sake of the promise of life that is in Christ Jesus, to Timothy, my beloved child, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Lord. I am grateful to God, whom I worship with a clear conscience, as my ancestors did, when I remember you constantly in my prayers night and day. Recalling your tears, I long to see you so that I may be filled with joy. I am reminded of your sincere faith, a faith that lived first in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and now I am sure lives in you. For this reason, I remind you to rekindle the gift of God that is within you through the laying on of my hands. For God did not give us a spirit of cowardice, but rather a spirit of power and of love and of self-discipline. Do not be ashamed then of the testimony about our Lord or of me, his prisoner, but join with me in suffering for the gospel, relying on the power of God who saved us and called us with a holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace. This grace was given to us in Christ Jesus before the ages began, but it has now been revealed through the appearing of our Savior Jesus Christ, who abolished death and brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. For this gospel, I was appointed a herald and an apostle and a teacher, and for this reason, I suffer as I do. But I am not ashamed, for I know the one in whom I have put my trust, and I am sure that he is able to guard until that day what I have entrusted to him. Hold to the standard of sound teaching that you have heard from me in the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. Guard the good treasure entrusted to you with the help of the Holy Spirit living in us. This is the word of God for the people of God, and so we say, thanks be to God. Would you pray with me? Holy and loving God, we thank you for all that you have given us and bringing us together at this moment. We pray that you would speak to us, O oh God. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be pleasing in your sight. Amen. In one of Paul's final letters to anyone, 
we find a personal one written to Timothy. One who I would venture to say was a bit of his protege. He begins his letter in typical fashion by using words of gratitude, a reminder that he is always in a state of prayer for those who suffer alongside him, but also for others. You see, one of the gifts that Paul gives to us is a reminder of constant prayer almost throughout his writings. But then he moves from prayer to remembering. He remembers Timothy's mother and grandmother. He reminds Timothy of the life that they had led and of the faith that they had passed down to him. In the time of Paul and before Paul, Jewish traditions were passed down orally. Many in the society couldn't read the scrolls, and in the words they spoke, that's how they learned and in the actions that they had. This faith was not merely a package passed from generation to generation like a ring or a necklace or a piece of furniture. No, it was a faith that was very much alive in mother and daughter and then passed down to Timothy. For Paul to go through Timothy's immediate lineage of his mother and grandmother reminded him about those who came before him and who guided him in his faith to where he was today. Paul then goes on to tell Timothy to rekindle the gift of God that is within you through the laying on of my hands. For God did not give us a spirit of timidity, but a spirit of power, of love, and of self-discipline. Paul is reminding Timothy of the day that Paul ordained him to go and spread the gospel, to go and be an apostle, never letting his own cowardice stopping him from moving forward, but recognizing that God has given him what he needs and will continue to give him what he needs. Rekindling this gift means to stir up the grace and faith and love that we have received and then putting them into practice. Paul finishes his words in this set of scripture, saying to take care of the good treasure that has been entrusted to you, that treasure being the faith that must be adhered, guarded, and protected. Paul reminds him of that treasure just as he reminds us, reminding Timothy of the moving power of the Holy Spirit that is embodied in people, words, and phrases that are etched out, of in, out in the life and the struggles not just of the church, but also of each person. Almost as if to say, no matter what, God is moving. In 1933, I would venture to say a rekindling occurred where a pastor by the name of Reverend Dr. Hugh Thompson Kerr and his congregation at Shadyside Presbyterian Church decided they wanted to intentionally demonstrate the interconnectedness of the Christian church regardless of denomination, by remembering the unity of the church in Christ 
through the sacrament of Holy Communion. According to Dr. Kerr's son, Reverend Dr. Donald Craig Kerr, that Sunday was an attempt that came out of the division of stewardship and hoped to bring churches together in Christian unity, reminding that churches all around are in fact unified in Christ. This attempt, while it was a great idea, had a very slow beginning. But as World War II went on, the universal church found that it was an important way to bring everyone together and remind everyone how connected we really are. This concept would be practiced denominationally in the Presbyterian Church by 1936 and would be adopted by what is now the National Council of Churches in 1940 for multiple denominations around the world. Today, we celebrate that day. That day is World Communion Sunday, a day that began in 1933 by taking part in the sacrament of Holy Communion together. But not just as First United Methodist Church in Murfreesboro, but as a part of the greater church that is the followers of Jesus Christ around the world, who in spite of our differences, disagreements, theology, doctrine, and struggles, which we all know there are many, will come together to remember the story each in our own spaces, receiving that gift of rekindling, stirring up in us grace, faith, and love that we have received and which was spoken to Timothy. But it can't and doesn't stop there. It then pushes us to put them into practice. Meaning even in our differences, we are in fact one, meaning that this church is not your church. This church is God's church. And in it and through it, God is moving, often in spite of us, <laughs> meaning that there is always room for one more at the table, meaning that the grace and love that we receive when we partake of this gift is meant to not just be kept to ourselves, but that we are to take it out into the world, remembering that we are one in spirit and one in the Lord. This morning, we may find ourselves in need of a rekindling, just as Paul reminds Timothy as we come to this table. I know for me, I have needed a rekindling multiple times in my life. When I was a freshman in college, I found myself drawn to the Wesley Foundation because I instantly fell in love with a group of people who taught me a new card game that I loved. However, it wasn't the card game that kept me there. It was the spirit that I found there. It was a spirit of love and acceptance. It was a spirit of joy and likeness as we all ventured through this thing called college together. It was a spirit and refreshing spirit 
and quite frankly, something I had never known or understood before. The first week of classes were overwhelming, if I was to be honest. But in the middle of the week, we celebrated Holy Communion together, a ritual that over the next several years would become a lifeline for me. On Wednesday evenings at Wesley, a student would share a word with the group, something that God had placed on their hearts, followed by the lights going out in the room, except for the single candle that sat in the middle of the room on the table. Our campus minister, Reverend Bud Alexander, would stand up and he would tell the story of Holy Communion as we will hear in just a moment. He broke the bread, shared the cup. He would continue by saying, this is not my table. This is not the United Methodist Church's table. This is God's table, and it's open to all who might like to receive it, reminding all present in the room that there was, in fact, room at the table. Something that, to be honest, was quite foreign to me. And it would take me some time to digest. But the darkness in the room allowed some anonymity. So I didn't feel required or pushed to receive this gift if I wasn't ready. At the end of the service, we would gather in a circle, hand in hand, and sing the first verse of a song that I had never heard of. We are one in the Spirit. We are one in the Lord. We are one in the Spirit. We are one in the Lord. And we pray that our unity may one day be restored. And they'll know we are Christians by our love, by our love. Yes, they'll know we are Christians by our love. A song that reminds me of the rekindling that was done in me so many years ago as I stood around that circle. That was likely a part of the call that I began to feel and experience in the first years of college that would eventually lead me here. A song that was written by a Catholic priest reminding us that we are, in fact, one, and that who we are called to be is one in Christ regardless of our differences. It doesn't mean that we won't disagree. It doesn't mean that we won't have different denominations that define things differently than we do, but it does mean that at the core of it all is unity in Christ. We are all brothers and sisters. As we gather together today at this table, let us find ourselves finishing out the song where we walk with each other hand in hand, together spreading the news that God is in our land, working with each other side by side, guarding human dignity and saving each man's pride praising Father, Son, and Holy Spirit who make us one. In whatever ways that God rekindles your life, may they not only inform you, but may they shape you
May the world know that we are Christians, not by our inability to see beyond the differences, not because we get so caught up with ourselves that we forget that this is not about us, and not because we become so afraid of what could happen that we begin to live in a place of scarcity. But may they know that we are Christians by our love.